Life Audio. Welcome to Truth Tribe with Doug Grothuis, where we seek the truth about the things that matter most through reason and evidence. Last time I read a section of my book, Fire in the Streets, how you can confidently respond to incendiary cultural topics. I read a section on reparations, in my case, against racial reparations. And since I am really a very bookish person, published my first book when I was 29, I've published 19 books since, and several more on the way. I really hope people will read my books. I write them to communicate truth about things that I think are significant and important for the church, the kingdom of God, well-being in general. So I'd like to continue and read another section from my book, Fire in the Streets. This is from the chapter called Fire in the Mind of Karl Marx and His Followers. From Marxism to Critical Race Theory. I won't be reading the whole chapter, but just a section on Marxism. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. I'm an old philosopher and old anti-communist from way back. I grew up during the Cold War period. And when I came of age in terms of political philosophy... I studied Marxism critically as a younger man. I was interested in Marxism as a theory of liberation, and like many people in the 70s, thought that maybe some form of socialism could bring about human betterment, even as a young Christian. I gravitated toward leftist ideas through the writings of people like Lon Sider, Jim Wallace. I used to read Sojourner's Magazine, and so on. But that, thank goodness, changed in the early 80s when I began to expand my reading and thinking and started reading the Austrian economists such as Hayek and von Mises and so on. And when I began to read political thinkers such as William F. Buckley, his book especially Up From Liberalism was significant to me. And R.J. Rushton's book, The Politics of Guilt and Pity. Read another book written by the presidential candidate Barry Goldwater called The Conscience of a Conservative. So with those books and others, I changed my mind and became politically conservative. And that's a view I see most consonant with my Christian worldview. But let me read a few pages from the beginning of my chapter 
This is called Fire in the Mind of Karl Marx and His Followers. I do this because a lot of people don't know the history and philosophy of Marxism. And this is a detriment if you want to be a thinking person who has real critical insights into history, philosophy, and culture. So I'll begin reading. It is not name-calling to say that the roots of critical race theory are found in Marxism, but the issue goes deeper. To some, the label Marxism or Marxist means little to nothing since they are ignorant of the philosophy's origins, teachings, and outcomes. This is true for many who did not live as adults through any part of the Cold War between the U.S. and the USSR, 1947 to 1991. This is the generation that knew not Joseph Stalin. It is largely ignorant about communism, the ideology that has controlled China and North Korea since 1949, Cuba, since 1961, Laos, since 1975, and Vietnam, since 1976. This means 1.5 billion people are currently enslaved by Marxism of one form or another. To some, Marxism is a term of appreciation, even a compliment. Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Cullors said that she and fellow founder Alicia Garza were, quote, trained Marxists, unquote. By trained Marxists, she meant that they are activists and organizers, not just thinkers or academics. In fact, the leaders of BLM are the disciples of violent Marxist revolutionaries of the New Left from the 1960s and the violent Black Power Movement of the 1970s. In 2015, Garza told SF Weekly that, quote, Social movements all over the world have used Marx and Lenin as a foundation to interrupt these systems that are really negatively impacting the majority of people, unquote. She is continuing that mission. Thus, we must critique it. Marxism 101. Socialism did not originate with the German philosopher Karl Marx, 1818 to 1883, but he gave it a revolutionary and apocalyptic shape that set the world on fire. In his 1872 novel, Demons, Fyodor Dostoevsky anticipated a kind of revolutionary, even before Marx, who, quote, rejects morality outright and holds to the newest principle of universal destruction for the sake of good final goals. He's already demanding more than a 100 million heads in order to establish common sense in Europe, unquote. Remarkably, the total death toll that Marxist regimes in the 20th century inflicted on their own people in Russia, China, Cambodia, North Korea, Cuba, etc., was more than 100 million. Marx was a study in debauchery. Without gainful employment, dependent on his parents until they cut him off, after which he denounced them. A terrible father and husband, and an adulterer. Marx was no epitome of virtue. Added to that, he was a racist, using the N-bomb often, and an anti-Semite, though he was ethnically Jewish. Marx fashioned himself a demonic figure, a Mephistopheles who cursed heaven, 
in the name of autonomous and rebellious man. Paul Kenger notes in a piece for the Epoch Times that, quote, Marx was particularly fond of a line from Mephistopheles in Goethe's Faust, quote, everything that exists deserves to be perish, to perish, unquote. Marx's ruling passion was political revolution. He and his collaborator and patron, Frederick Engels, 1820-1895, who ironically or hypocritically was a capitalist, let forth onto the world an ideology that stoked the flames of class resentment, fomented a hope for earthly redemption through revolution, and offered a crude account of history, struggle, and destiny, summed up in the fiery 1844 pamphlet, The Communist Manifesto. As Marx wrote elsewhere, Philosophers have hitherto only interpreted the world in various ways. The point is to change it. His philosophy did change the world, but for the worse, far worse than any other philosophy in history. We now consider Marx's fundamentals and how Marxism has poisoned history. It holds no promise as a logical worldview, a system of analysis, or a social program. Critical race theory to the contrary. First, Marx made atheism central and ineradicable. To him, quote, the criticism of religion is the prerequisite of all criticism, unquote. By criticism, he meant refutation and dismissal. He took religion, primarily Judaism and Christianity, to be false and disempowering compensation for the political suffering of the world. Quote, religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. The abolition of religion as the illusory happiness of the people is the demand for their real happiness. Unquote. Religion is nothing but, quote, the flowers on the chains of oppression, unquote. It anesthetizes the oppressed, thus rendering them unable to revolt. The Communist Manifesto proclaims that, quote, Communism abolishes eternal truths. It abolishes all religion and all morality, instead of constituting them on a new basis. It therefore acts in contradiction to all past historical experience. Marxism abolishes the fear of God and makes humans their own masters who can throw off the fetters of oppression and bring about a heaven on earth. Ironically, if atheism is true, then Marxism falls flat and hard on a godless face, since all objective value, historical purpose, and social progress is siphoned out of a godless cosmos. Marxism dissolves without its labor theory of value, but if the universe is exhausted by matter and motion, then humans are no more valuable than anything else, and it all boils down to a pointless quest to survive until death undoes everything. For atheists, everything is devalued or valueless. Moreover, March to the contrary, much more goes into economic value than labor, such as relative demand, the costs incurred by manufacturing and development, and other elements. Second, 
Marxists believe that history is defined by the relentless struggle between two economic classes, the owners of the means of production, the bourgeois, and the workers, the proletariat. Marx and Engels offer the master key, writing, quote, The history of all hitherto existing society is the history of class struggles, unquote. This struggle is over economic power and property, that is, over capital. Throughout the various economic systems in history, the fundamental antagonism has been between those who own property and the means of production, such as factories, and those who own little or no property, and do not own or control the means of production. The owners employ workers through whom they make a profit or return on investment. This profit necessarily comes at the expense of the workers who are thus alienated from the fruits of their labors. This alienation is the central human problem and is socially generated according to Marxism. This analysis gives Marxism a dramatic narrative of the ongoing life and death struggle between the oppressors and the oppressed. Marx and Engels were experts at describing the misery of the poor in the aftermath of the Industrial Revolution and at whipping up outrage over the fate of the impoverished and against the oppressing capitalists. They turned some good phrases in justifying their bad philosophy. While they were not experts in alleviating any of these problems, Marx and Engels, along with their totalitarian followers, such as Vladimir Lenin in Russia, Joseph Stalin in Russia, Mao Zedong in China, Pol Pot in Cambodia, and Fidel Castro in Cuba, were experts on fomenting violent revolution, destabilizing society, impoverishing the masses, often through famine, oppressing citizens, disallowing elections, and killing millions upon millions of their own people during, quote-unquote, peacehood. But private property was the real culprit in human misery. Marx wrote, quote, Under private property, each tries to establish over the other an alien power, so as thereby to find satisfaction of his own selfish need. The increase in the quality, quantity of objects is therefore accompanied by an extension of the realm of the alien powers to which man is subjected and every new product represents a new potentiality of mutually dwindling and mutual swindling and mutual plundering. Notice that phrase, alien powers, which is crucial and central for Marxism. All profit alienates the workers who contribute to the profit enjoyed by the owner. But while profits in some cases may be exorbitant, they are not intrinsically alienating since profits allow owners to further develop their business, hire more workers, and provide more services. None of Marx's key ideas were testable. As economist and ex-Marxist Thomas Sowell observes in his analysis of Marx's three-volume tome, Capital, quote, exploitation, was at no point in its 2,500 pages treated as a testable hypothesis. Exploitation was instead the foundation assumption on which an elaborate intellectual superstructure was built. And that proved to be a foundation of quicksand. Getting rid of capitalist exploiters in communist countries did not raise the living standard of workers, even to levels common in many capitalist countries, 
where workers were presumably still being exploited, as Marxists conceived the term, unquote. Marx's idea of exploitation could not be confirmed. However, the egregious effects of his system have falsified the claims that Marxism makes for a better society. Third, the Marxist vision is that of revolting against, not of reforming existing society. A revolution means the total overthrow and replacement of social, political, and economic structures. The capitalist order is, on Marxism, intrinsically oppressive to the workers and must be abolished along with all that flows from that capitalist order, such as the traditional family. Marxists hold that the most taken-for-granted institutions were based on exploitation. Of course, private property had to be abolished and expropriated by the communist state, and along with it, the traditional family had to be abolished as well. Quote, this is Marx. On one, on what foundation is the present family, the bourgeois family, based? On capital, on private gain. In its completely developed form, the family exists only among the bourgeois. But this state of things finds its complement in the practical absence of the family among the proletarians and in public prostitution. The bourgeois family will vanish as a matter of course, but its complement vanishes, and both will vanish with the vanishing of capital, unquote. The family, wherein heterosexual parents raise their children, is known at every society and under every economic condition. This is because it is ordained as such by God. See Genesis 1 and 2, Matthew 19, 1 through 6. But the family poses a threat to the Marxists and to neo-Marxists, such as critical race theory advocates, since it is a unit of power, fidelity, and tradition that resists the overthrow of society through revolution. Marxism is fueled by a futuristic vision of victory for the oppressed masses. After the capitalist order is overthrown, the, quote, dictatorship of the proletariat, unquote, will result in which all bourgeois values will be swept away through the coercive power of the newly liberated proletariat. In one of the most egregiously false and ironic statements ever made in philosophy, Marxism claims that after this dictatorship of the state would wither away, leading to the communist society. Nothing of the sort ever happened under any Marxist government. It can never happen under any form of civil government because Marxism is impotent to change our fallen human nature and its effects, as is any merely human philosophy, see Colossians 2.8. No dictatorship will usher in its own demise and give birth to a society so perfect that it needs no civil government. Civil government is required to keep a measure of order in a fallen world, as the Bible affirms. Romans 13, 1-7, 1 Peter 2, 13-17. Even though it easily and often goes astray in its quest for unaccountable power, as the Bible warns. 1 Samuel 8, Acts 12, 19-23, and Revelation 13. According to Marxism, 
through the necessary conflicts between classes over ages. The economic forces of history will culminate in a classless and stateless society in which the division of labor no longer obtains. Marx Marx waxed rhapsodic about this future communist state, quote, Nobody has one exclusive sphere of activity, but each can become accomplished in any branch he wishes. Society regulates the general population, and thus makes it possible for me to do one thing today and another tomorrow, to hunt in the evening, fish in the afternoon, rear cattle in the evening, criticize after dinner, just as I have a mind without ever becoming hunter, fisherman, herdsman, or critic. Unquote. This is undiluted and rhapsodic utopianism. There is literally no place like it in a world still groaning for its final redemption. See Romans 8, 18-26. Rather than chronicling the horrific effects of Marxism in nation after nation, I will simply refer to the earlier statement that Marxist regimes are credited with the killing of more than 100 million of their own citizens, a practice that the late political scientist R.J. Rummel called democide, which, quote, means for governments what murder means for an individual under municipal law. It is the premeditated killing of a person in cold blood or causing the death of a person through reckless and wanton disregard for life, unquote. No one has exceeded the Marxist in this deadly skill. I'll stop there. That was a reading of the first several pages of my chapter, Fire in the Mind of Karl Marx and His Followers, From Marxism to Critical Race Theory. The rest of the chapter shows how critical race theory, through people like Max Horkheimer and Herbert Marcuse, have developed Marxism into what we see really every day through critical race theory ideas of systemic oppression, and we sometimes will call critical race theory wokeness. So that has been Truth Tribe for this episode. This is Doug Grothuis. If you'd like to know more about me, please go to my webpage, douglasgrothuis.com. You can find a lot of free material there. And if you are interested in what I read about here, Marxism 101, please read about that and much more in my book, Fire in the Streets, how you can confidently respond to incendiary cultural talk. Truth Tribe is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.